everybody. This is Tyler. This is Danny. And we're here for another episode of Fried Squirms. We're here to get stoned and talk about horror movies. As per always, if you've took a look at the name of this episode, you probably know we're doing Frankenstein. If not, it's going to be Frankenstein. <laughs> we're going to get there. Before we get there, we got something else to get to. It's the beginning of our smoke session. Let's get to our green hits. Danny, what did I just light up? What do I got going here? Nice. So I went over to Mile High here in Missoula and picked up a Jay of Dutch Crasher. So I don't really have too much information outside of the fact that this is a 60-40 split. So it's a hybrid, 60% Indica, 40% Sativa. If I had to wager anything on the strain, like the parents... I would imagine it's a cross of probably Dutch Treat and Wedding Crasher. Now, Dutch Treat, it is a hybrid. It's crossed with Northern Lights and Haze. That one's a little bit more uplifting and euphoric. With that being said, too, pine notes are kind of heavy on that strain. Wedding Crasher, once again, is a indica-dominant hybrid. It's a 60%, 40% split, much like Dutch Crasher. It is crossed with Wedding Cake and Purple Punch strains. Now, this one has more of a grape flavor. Also notes of vanilla, diesel, some sweet flavors, things like that. So never tried it. It clocks in about 17% over at Mile High. Cool. Speaking of flower, speaking of euphoric effects. Oh, I think you already know. <laughs> I brought you some euphoria. Nice. It's a good one. I think it's been a bit since we've had it on the show. I know we've brought it on once. Genetics-wise, it is a sativa but as far as exact strains, basically what's known about it is that it was originally bred by the Dutch Passion Seed Company from skunk strains. Which skunk strains? Not specified. <laughs> what it basically seems to be is a hybrid of multiple kinds of skunks that were bred to not lean into the skunk side, but more bring out the sweet and more herbal. Uh, side of that that whole lineage i mean it's supposed to be aptly named it's a sativa you got the head high going with euphoric effects like happy <laughs> uplifting energetic all that good stuff and this is coming in at about 25 nice. percent thc so should be a good time also, we'll take the time to remind people, go check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash fried squirms. At the lowest level, you could have been listening to this last week. It's a dollar a month. It's not bad. A dollar? Three dollars. Then you start to get all, all of our special episodes. Fancy. We've been doing lookbacks at our old stuff. They've been a lot of fun so far. As they have them. I found was great. What's coming up next? We've got the Babadook, and then we've got a big one right behind that Ooh, one. Ooh, shit. Yeah, Babadook next. Some Dead Alive. Yeah. We don't really have to keep a secret. You can just go through our archive and right. be like, oh, well, this is what's <laughs> going to be. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're definitely follow, following a pattern with that. And then up at the top, access to the Discord and all that stuff. I actually realized that I got a new phone and never signed back into Discord, so I got to get that shit going again. But uh, Probably be me and you both. That's okay. So sorry if you signed in and we weren't doing shit. Because, like, we're old men and got new technology. Yeah, we're still learning. <laughs> that being said, patreon.com slash friedsquirms. Friedsquirms.com just gets to, to our website, which that also exists. But 
I guess let's get into the guts and bolts of Frankenstein. <laughs> guts and bolts. All right. Guts and bolts. Who and what went in the making of this flick? Spo- spoiler free. Is it possible to be spoiler free at this point for, for Frankenstein? Like, doesn't everybody know Dude, this shit? I mean, the film itself is almost 100 years old. The novel itself is over 200 years old. So, <laughs> I mean, maybe. I mean, okay. Uh, well, I guess <laughs> we'll just make like it's our very first episode. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, a mad scientist tries to create life. By uh, using dead people. There you go. Things go awry. I like it. I mean, that's what this is. That's what it is, right? Like, it's Frankenstein. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, there's that. So, I guess, who and what went into it then? Yeah, so we do like to talk about, of course, the cast and crew from week to week. And this week we have a really cool director James Well. This gentleman is known for quite a few films of notoriety starting with The Old Dark House. He's the director of The Invisible Man, Bride of Frankenstein, films such as Journey's End, Hell's Angels, and The Man in the Iron Mask. All right, there are several writers on this. Now, it was based on the 1818 novel by Mary Shelley. It was adapted from the play by Peggy Webling. That's like 1927. Mm. And then John L. Balderston based this upon the composition by him. Uh, and then Garrett Fort and Francis Edward Farago, they're the guys who actually wrote the screenplay. So Garrett Fort is known for Dracula, Dracula's Daughter, and the Mark of Zorro. And Francis is known for Little Caesar, Iron Man, and a Lady from Louisiana. All right, cinematographer on this Let's is, point out that's not 2008's Robert Downey Jr. Iron Man. No, no. <laughs> these like old school films. Most of these films I'm going to note are mostly from like the 30s, 40s, and probably somewhat 50s. All right. So the cinematographer is Arthur Edison, another interesting gentleman. Now, he is known for such films as The Thief of Baghdad from 1924, Frankenstein, of course, 1931, The Maltese Falcon from 1941, Mm -hmm. and Casablanca from 1942. Now, Uh, you mispronounced the greatest movie of all time. (laughs) I know, right? He was one of the founders of the American Society of Cinematographers, and he was nominated for three Academy Awards in his career in cinema, which is really cool. Now, he also did such films as Douglas Fairbanks' Robin Hood from 1922, In the Lost World from 1925, some other ones too, some westerns, so pretty famous guy. All right. I think considering the time period, everyone's going to have some westerns. Jesus, man. This is going to be really neat. Our editor on this is Clarence Colster. This gentleman is known for the films Troopers 3, Hell's Kitchen, and The Woman in White. Music was composed by Bernard Kahn, and when you look at his filmography, it's like, holy cow. Such films as Dr. X, he was also the composer for such things as 1933's King Kong, 1933's Little Women, such films as The Informer from 1935, The Three Musketeers from 1935, Last Days of Pompeii, 1935, mm. which is really cool. The Fly, 1958. Oh, yeah, The Return of Dr. X in 1939. Yeah, so unless you're really on top of 1930 cinema, kudos to you. All right, we have producer Carl Lamel 
junior production company and this distributor was Universal Pictures. They helped for the 1931 United States theatrical release. It had a couple of different release dates. November 19th, 1931, Detroit. That was its premiere date. And then November 21st, 1931, throughout the rest of the United States. And there are several taglines. There's like updated versions from different releases, but the one I chose and the one I stuck with is The Man Who Made a Monster. All right. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. All right, so cast of Frankenstein, 1931. Starting off with Colin Clive plays the role of Henry Frankenstein. A couple of films of note from him. He was in Journey's End and Bride of Frankenstein. We have Mae Clarks, who plays the role of Elizabeth Lavenza. She was known for such films as The Public Enemy. She was also in Waterloo Bridge, which is another James Wells film. She was in The King of the Rocket Men and Daredevils of the Clouds. All right, we have John Bowles, who plays the role of Victor Moritz. He was in the films The Desert Song, The Age of Innocence, and The Life of Vergie Winters. All right, we have Boris Karloff, who plays Frankenstein's monster. Now, this gentleman we've talked about a lot of different times. We talked about him back on episode 86. We did 1963's The Raven. That's right. We did... I was trying to think of when the first time we ran uh, into him was, and I couldn't think of The Raven. But. We reviewed, I want to say, was it the same year, I think, Black Sabbath, episode mm. 120? Mm-hmm. We also did 1932's The Mummy on episode 219, and then Boris, I mean, slew of films, dude. Karloff? Yeah. Karloff the Uncanny? So I'm like, if you want to really look into his filmography, have at it. All right. But he's also a legend at this point. Oh, yeah, like, come on, dude. Legendary, right? Legendary. <clears throat> All right, we've got Edward Van Sloan plays a role of Dr. Waldman. This is actually a gentleman we talked about before, back on episode 219 in The Mummy. I believe he played a professor in that film as well. Huh, go figure. All right, he was also in Dracula, Dracula's Daughter, in The Life of Vergie Winters. Right, we have Dwight Fry plays a role of Fritz, who is the assistant to Dr. Frankenstein. He was in Dracula. The Maltese Falcon, The Invisible Man, Bride of Frankenstein, Son of Frankenstein, and Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman. <laughs> All right, we've got a few other actors and actresses. We've got Frederick Wait, Kerr. I want to. I want you to take one guess who Fry is in Dracula. Oh, I did see. He was oh. um, Renfeld. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, of course he was. Of course he is. <laughs> of course he is. <laughs> All right, so we've got uh, Frederick Kerr plays the role of Baron Frankenstein. A few films of note from him. He was in Waterloo Bridge. Raffles, The Lady of Scandal, and Beauty and the Boss. Right. We've got Lionel Belmore plays the role of Er Vogel. He is also known as the Burgomaster in this film. A few films of note from him. He was in Oliver Twist. He was in Bartley's The Magnificent and The Vampire Bat. All right. Two other actors and actresses. We've got Marilyn Harris. She plays the role of Little Maria. A few films of note from her. She was in the films Over the Hill, A Wicked Woman, and The Road Back. And last but not least, I've got Michael Mark plays the role of Ludwig. He is the father of Maria. He was in The Son of Frankenstein, uh, The Great Flammarion, the films uh, like Joe Palooka, which is a series of films, but more notably in Fighting Mad and The Wasp Woman. So that rounds out mm. our cast and crew. You gave us a brief synopsis or setup. Should give you some warnings. 1931, so it's going to be pretty tame considering what we do. I mean, considering any film, really in general, there's some there there are some brief moments where it could be. There's some brief moment. I like, like there's harm towards children, but even the way it's presented, like I have a hard time actually warning against it. Yeah, I mean, like I think 
there's the, I think there's harm. Child, I think yeah. child more harm. explicit child harm happens in cartoons pretty often. Without a doubt, dude. And he I'm not talking about period. yeah. <laughs> like what? Have you not seen? I mean, I know you have, but I'm just saying in general. There's some wild shit. It's overall pretty tame. It really is. Like the shit's there. Like there's violence. There's a guy created out of dead body parts on screen, but we all yeah. know what fucking Frankenstein looks like. Well, <laughs> this is not really a spoiler. I mean, this is this is history now, but at one time, given the time period it came out in, it was more known for like blasphemous things. You know, somebody trying to play God uh, oh, and things right. of that nature. That's so. true. Like it was if you're sensitive, it was kind of actually stuff. censored on those grounds in some right. countries. It's kind of wild. Even Kansas wanted to cut like almost half the film. I know this is getting into the spoiler stuff, but nonetheless, it's a part of the warnings. But like today's standards, yeah, no. yeah, no, nah, this shit's tame. <laughs> you watch a kid, really... let a kid watch this. Pretty easy. Oh yeah, yeah. This is simple. This is like I saw the worst, the quote unquote worst scene in this movie as a child. Oh, likewise, no problem. And uh, even then, it was like okay, cool. So that happened. Yeah, I mean it's it's fucked, but regardless, it's pretty tame it's almost more fucked as an adult because you get the full context precisely i agree with that too but what you're actually seeing is yeah. tame as fuck yeah that's what we're gonna add like it's there's very very minor stuff but nonetheless i guess that's it i guess we uh find out how frankenstein made us squeal <laughs> how does that make you squeal so first what I want to start off by saying, because I almost started off the episode a little bit more with this anyway, just to sort of, I guess, announce it, this is kind of kicking off another new block that's all kind of themed. Yeah. All things so, considered, yeah. We actually know what we're fucking doing for once. We're going Frankenstein into Transylvania 65000 into the fucking monsters. I say there's a through line there. Yeah, I think so. It's going to be pretty obvious. Start with one of the OGs. Dude. Go into something parodying the OGs. Yeah, I think that's going to be so much fun. And then Herman. Yeah. Like, the most recognizable Frankenstein knockoff of all time. I know. We're still going to have to explain that. <laughs> <laughs> but still, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait to see what Rob did with the monsters. But before we get there... We got what we need to start it off with, and that's this shit. Frankenstein. This was cool, especially because I still had the mummy pretty fresh in my mind. So getting to sort of see... It's weird because there's only, like, what, like a year difference in the movies? But this was Karloff's breakout in a big way. Yeah, it certainly was, which is interesting. In and of itself. As, like, a 40-year-old man who had been acting... Pretty much his entire life. Yeah, that's pretty wild, isn't it? Oh, well, it's still kind of neat, though. Even for that time period, it's like, guy was putting in his time. Mm-hmm. You know? His due diligence. Yeah, I don't know how much... I feel like we talked about it some on one of the other episodes, but yeah, his story is kind of neat. Like, he basically worked his ass off doing yeah. whatever fucking jobs he could... Yeah, we talked about it. ...to survive so that he could act. I, I think it was during The Mummy, we talked about that, and... Like, he was in pretty good physical shape. Mm -hmm. Like, talked about that. It's because he had to do, almost I had to, but he did. He he worked those jobs. Yeah. He was a physical laborer. 
who just loved doing this shit. And so he just kept at it and yeah, kept at what it. A, what a story to think, like, yeah, I just, you, you get a role like this. And who would have thought, really, like, its legacy you would have left behind? You get a role like this partially because Lugosi turns I it down. Oh, I see that. And it's interesting, too, because, you know, there was another director on board before James Whale. And, I mean, anybody can read this. I mean, this is right off the wiki, but it's still kind of neat. Mm -hmm. Is the fact that, you know, they didn't meet eye to eye on the story of the monster and things of that nature. Like, it well, went completely off. Lugosi wanted Shelley's. to be the doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and he's like, no. <laughs> and they were like, no, you got to be the monster. Because and he he's like, Dracula and shit, so. yeah. And he looks at the monster part, the way it was written then, and goes, yeah, no, I'm good on that. Right, he doesn't want to do that. Mainly but the monster wasn't sympathetic yet. No, it wasn't. And that was the point, too. He's like, he has a quote to uh, the effect, you know, he's famous in his country, Hungary. It's like, I'm going to be like a schlock actor here in yours, basically. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I get it, you know, considering the circumstances. I did kind of want to reread it before we ever went through this movie, because I've only read it once, and it was back when I was pretty fucking young. But there's not a lot of sense in trying to compare the movie to yeah. the book, because the book monster never shuts the fuck up. <laughs> like, it's a completely different character. Yeah. And in the end, this screenplay, by far, leaps and bounds closer to the one that Lugosi didn't like yeah. than to the original. However, this is also not just cold monster wakes up a stone-hearted killer that mm -hmm. Lugosi read either. I know, and really, this is more based off of Peggy Webling's mm -hmm. play, like you said, more so than Mary Shelley's novel. So, by, by a giant degree. Exactly. That, Like I said, I've read it once. I don't remember it that well, but that motherfucker does not shut up. <laughs> he goes on and That's on. <laughs> I wonder, too, because we've talked about this loosely with Penny Dreadful. Mm. And I'm wondering, too, because, you know, there's characters loosely based off of some of these novels and whatnot. How much that characterization of the monster... That's way closer. Yes, I was akin. Yeah. Yeah, to the vision. The Penny Dreadful one is way closer to the okay. book one. I'd be hesitant to say how close, because like right. I said, it's been a while since I did the book, but that's... Still, it's kind of neat. Honestly, one of my favorites is um, Dean Koontz did a Frankenstein mm -hmm. series that actually I think I still need to finish. There was a big gap between two of the books, and I'm pretty sure I did read the one after the gap, but because of that gap, I kind of fell off a little bit. And it just, like, I didn't have the momentum going. I was going to say, I think somebody else was telling me about Dean Koontz and horror. So I was like, all right. And his is more of, like, an unofficial sequel series. Okay. It's like Frankenstein happened, and there's other details about it that, you know, are only canon to the Koontz version. But then it's set more in like modern day, okay. and the monster's still around, and Frankenstein is also interestingly still around, for various reasons. Oh. So, okay, that's pretty cool. It's pretty fucking dope, as I remember it. It's also been since like high school since I read it. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. It's, I think I have the first three, but that's the thing. Maybe with, not. Yeah, with reading certain things at certain time periods in your life, and then trying to remember, like, yeah, it's been a long time since I've read some like classics too. It was mostly in my teens, middle school kind of days. 
I remember he made the monster kind of a superhero. We're getting way off track. No, it's okay. Movie I, now, I like but this, like, It's okay. He kind of made the monster like have kind of superpowers. It's like, Maybe. I can't remember. He had an explanation for like why the monster would rage and shit. And, but he was also kind of like immortal because of the way he was given life. So after he got away from like everything, cause it, it's it follows up way more on the way the, the book ends, which is like out in the Arctic and shit. It's not a wow. burning windmill. <laughs> it's like the monster gets away. And I think like the doctor has to go track him down and like they're wandered out in the fucking Arctic and shit. They were doing some Will Graham and yeah. <laughs> um, I can't remember that there, you know, there's a, there's a split of some kind from the way that the book ends and the monster gets away and goes and like, meditates for 60 years in Tibet wow. <laughs> and realizes like he's been given life by like weird quantum shit and has figured out how to harness that. And he can like teleport around and shit. Damn. That's pretty dope. And he also ends up with a bunch of like dope ass tattoos about around one okay. side of his body and shit. And, but then like, he's trying to take down like Frankenstein has lived and because of nefarious evil scientist experiments and shit. And yeah, no, that's still pretty dope. And is trying to make like a move in the modern day. And yeah. So now the monster is trying to take him down and shit. That would be a really cool reason. I didn't check that shit out. It's pretty dope. Anyway, the movie Frankenstein. <laughs> Man, it's going to get hard. To... <sighs> I mean, it's good. Not... It's good. It, it is a solid It's film. really good. It's a classic there's a lot of things that it did, and it's one of those films, too, I think you have to, if we're going to analyze it kind of, you know, in this sense, is thinking about it from its time period, not now, but for its time period. And it was doing things with lighting, and I think with, like, the effects and some of the mute, like, score and stuff like that. So it was a little bit of a departure from, like, Dracula, which... You know, there's a lot of cutaways and use of shadow mm -hmm. and things like that. Whereas this one, you know, there was a little bit more, well, I'm using air quotes, of course, violence and things that you see. And that was the thing, too, that was what we talked about earlier, where there were several cuts of this film because this was like censor days. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they, I guess different countries and states and things of that nature, they would send in requests and like, hey, not this. this is vulgar. This is blasphemous. This you can't show this. Like, fuck. All right. <laughs> so, yeah, it would have been really interesting to see all those various cuts. Not really, but, I mean, just given the, the historical context, it's kind of neat. I think I'm good just, like, reading the cuts. Yeah, exactly. It's like, ah. Once again, not this is a bad movie. It. No, it's not. It's just, it's better historically it really than is. it is good now. I mean, it's a straightforward story as well and it's done very well the camera yeah, movements not, are beautiful like I, it's hard to knock it technically karloff really is. is great as the monster yeah he honestly is. everyone else is they're the ones having to do like the heavy lifting in this movie and they're all good too no they really are and you can tell they're a lot of these people are classically trained stage mm -hmm. actors and actresses it's pretty obvious but they do their parts and they do it well right i <laughs> like even the village scenes are pretty cool during the festivals and stuff. I always forget that this is going to happen going into these old movies, but I completely forgot that they were, we were going to get the full credit sequence right up front. Yeah. And that was going to be <laughs> the only credit sequence. That's kind of funny. Yeah, because once the movie ends, this is like, that's it. 
I mean, you might see like the universal thing at the end, but that's it. But there, there was something in the credit sequence that I noticed really marked the time period. Did you see the credits for the based on the story by? I probably did, but I, I didn't pay a lot of attention to it. Based on a story by Mrs. Percy Bryce Shelley. Oh, they did it like that. They did her like that. Damn. Yeah, that's fucked up. <laughs> time but, period makes sense. No, it does. You know, like I said, contextually, it does make sense. Not that it's right, but it, you know, it fits. You know when this was made. Yeah, I mean, 19. But also, I was like, ah, oh, you did marry like that. That's so wild, man. Like, trying to, there was a guy in this film. There is a guy, I should say, in this film who was born in like 1858. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. I was looking up some of these people. I was like, holy shit. This dude was like, he was around when the Civil War was happening. It's crazy. He's in the film. It happened like when I have memories of fucking. <laughs> Going to McDonald's for the first time. I know, right? <laughs> That's more akin to the other two. Like, yeah. He's like shit. war between the states. That's crazy, dude. So, yeah, I mean, there's people old enough in this film to kind of live back then. Yeah. So, so that's some historical context is what we're saying. <laughs> Women's suffrage, stuff like that. There's a lot of shit going on. Mm-hmm. Still, it's a bummer to see her done like that. It, Especially yeah. because, arguably, Frankenstein's one of the first sci-fi books of all time. True. I've yes. seen some pretty good arguments against it, and I don't want to try to take away from Mary Shelley. Right. But, but I don't think it matters. Like, no. even if there are ones that predate it, this is the first one that matters then. Fuck you guys. Yeah. Like, like so once again, yeah, historically, you have to take those things into, into uh, you know, respect. So, when I think of Frankenstein in general, the monster, that is... Uh, you know, I, I think of Mary Shelley's. It's just, yeah. I mean, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> That's just the way it is. And here's the other thing. Like, not to... I mean, I guess we can get into it some if you want to, but no, without talking about the book, I don't think it's really worth getting into is the monster named Frankenstein or not. Right. Yeah, exactly, yeah. It's like that. I, I get it. The know. movie is pretty clear that the monster is the monster. Yes, and that Frankenstein is Henry Frankenstein. <laughs> and that the tagline for the movie references right. Henry, not the monster. Exactly. So that's interesting. But I, I think it's a lot more cloudy in the book, as I remember it, on whether it's proper to call the monster also Frankenstein or yeah, not. Yeah, it's interesting. But I also don't get pissed off when people call the monster Frankenstein. No, it's like we both get it. It's like it's it's understandable, and it's like anything else. It's like sometimes, I mean, I was a victim of that just as well as probably anything else. Is like as far as like just mistaking, you know, this for that or whatever the case mm-hmm. might be. So yeah, but, but the the case is is like once you discern the two, it's like oh yeah, no, it's understandable why. Man, I guess I kind of skipped over. We usually start off a little bit more with this. Had you ever seen all of this before? Yeah, I'd seen this mainly because my uncle and my dad, they grew up watching films like this. Mm. Not from the 30s, but they grew up in the 60s where films were still kind of tame. So, yeah. Every now and then I would watch a film with them from, like, I don't know, when I was a kid, essentially. But, yeah, this was one of them. I remember watching Dracula and The Mummy, mostly Universal stuff. But, man, it's been so long since I've sat down and rewatched it. I, yeah, it's hard to remember. Probably when I was a kid, to be quite frank. Like, all the way through. I have a hard time remembering if I had ever seen 
this movie all the way through or not before. Yeah. I do have a very vivid memory of seeing at least the Maria scene as like a kid, like seven or eight being talked about on some, you know, movie history special yeah. or horror movie special or something that happened with, during one of the holidays or something. And I remember it very notably because they play that entire like two minute scene. It's not a very long clip. No, it's not. But yeah, it's still in the context of the film it gives it a certain weight. I don't know, like a misunderstanding too mm -hmm. of that particular character, you know, of the monster. But when you cut it out, I, you know, it takes away some of the meaning, I guess, of, what this story is trying to say about the monster and the people and mm -hmm. things of that nature. So, and I don't have like a super vivid memory of it because it like super scared me or anything. No, it was more like it was during one of those early periods where I had been reading about monster movies before watching monster movies. And so I knew it, it was kind of like the first, like, Oh, I read about this. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So this is it now. Now I'm getting to see it. This is what I was reading about. Cool. And for whatever reason, it just stuck with me. I can recall that scene pretty vividly to this day whenever I want to. I would say that's a weird thing about this movie, though, at least culturally. And I'm just going to be throwing some numbers out of my ass, but I feel like they're not too far off of accurate based on just popular depictions and how much Frankenstein has permeated the spooky part of our culture. Yeah. I would bet most people would say they could probably describe the monster coming to life scene. Yeah, I mean, that's an iconic scene. And I bet most of them would get it wrong. That's wild. But you're right, because it's, it's been depicted so many different ways. And I, that's the thing I want to, like, I don't think they'd be 100% wrong. In fact, I believe that most of them would probably be recounting one of the ways they saw it but they wouldn't be recounting the way it happens in the movie. No, I would agree with that, especially this version of it as well. <laughs> I was like, no, nah, they're going to be way off. They're going to reca be recounting a version of it as it was mocked in fucking Looney Tunes or of course. I the mean, any number of, of cartoons yeah. that have referenced it, any number of Probably other movies stuff. that yeah. have fucking, I think commercials have referenced I mean, it. Like, even Young Frankenstein mm -hmm. saw me. <laughs> there's spoofs of it. I think most of them would get it wrong. That's a solid point. I like it. Though. I would have won. I would have one hundred percent got some of the the details wrong before oh, going likewise. into this movie. Likewise, like because I would have swore up and down it was Victor Frankenstein. Likewise, I didn't Henry, Henry Frankenstein. Yeah, Victor's his buddy. What the fuck? Yeah, and then I, I couldn't have told you the assistant's name. Fritz? Oh no! Fuck me! No. no, I was I even my first note I wrote down Igor. And yeah. then it was like a minute later, they say the name Fritz. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? It's like, okay, well, that's, I wouldn't have gotten that. I was thinking about that, like trivia stuff. Like I wouldn't have gotten a lot of stuff in this at all. I would have said it's just them. No, right. they're yeah. being fucking, they have an audience of three people in that room watching him do it. Yeah. His fiance, his like old professor and one of his colleagues or his friends. Victor. Yeah. Like Victor's Victor in Lawrence, the room. Yeah. Just, but not the, yeah, not the Victor we're familiar with. I don't think I would have said that the body it's gets raised game. all the way through the ceiling. Yeah. I would have said it comes down and gets hit, like, 
with lightning from the Tesla coils or it comes straight down through the roof. But then, and then there's some like shower of sparks. Yeah. No, I want to, like, there's a lot of details I would have not gotten right at all. But it gets pulled all the way up. Yeah. Right before it goes all the way up, somebody <laughs> flickers the lights up top for a second. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. And then it comes down. And I think most people would say that It's Alive is accompanied by the thing fucking raising up. Exactly. Huh? No, the, it's fucking strapped down. It couldn't raise up if it wanted to. No. Not His friends come and subdue, subdue him, though. Yeah. Would have never said that in a million years. Yeah. And that's kind of the fun about going back and watching these old films, too, is, you know, like, oh, this is kind of neat because it does give... To me, it gives a, a different perspective on how the film played out, how they wrote it, how it was acted, you know, shit like that, how you forget things. Is Henry even actually a doctor yet? Has he completed completed his schooling? From the sounds of it, I would say no. Is it was almost no like too? a Herbert West yeah. kind of situation. Well, and it it seemed like fucking German McWhat's face kept referring to him exclusively as, like, sir or er. Yeah. Rather than, like, doctor. So, uh, you know, who's... He seemed to get... Anytime somebody else was a doctor, like, doctor... What's it? Walls. Damn. You know what's... I hate to say it like this, but think about the time period, too, in Germany. Doctor has a different... (laughs) Has a different meaning. Oof. But that was the other thing. I was like, wait, is he not Dr. Frankenstein? No, they don't call him that. And I 100% would have gotten wrong the fact that his uncle is, or his dad? Yeah, his dad. His dad is still just, like, alive and a part of the movie? I, I know. It makes a toast at the end and shit. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that ending is fucking wild. I'm like... <laughs> After everything else, that's how you end the movie? I know, it's... Well, look, we'll get there. I think there's a... We'll save the end for the end, but right. I want to say right it's now, it's weird. Yeah, I agree with that. Oh, my God. I'm not going to lie, though. Like, I think his dad gave me one of my biggest laughs at the fucking movie. Yeah. No, it wasn't even. Oh, shit. Yeah, I think it was when his dad and his fiance come up to the place and they knock like once and start getting pissed off when the door isn't opened right away. And they're just like, what's this nonsense of locked doors? (laughs) Yeah. Motherfucker, you can't just have people wandering in all the time. I know. I mean, these people act like that was his commonplace no matter where you went back then. <laughs> Everybody seemed to be kind of pissed off that his door was closed. Yeah. It's like, man, I don't need you guys barging in every five seconds. I'm do- you. Especially doing, like, legit experiments. People know he's doing experiments. Yeah, this it's science, dude. Chill. Yeah, I need my space. Check my experiments. The amount people kept getting pissed that his door was shut at all in this movie was actually kind of funny. It is. It is. And given like they're in the middle of a storm, Prince is like, go away, he's busy. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, hell no, I didn't walk all the way up here for this shit. But also, like, that's on them for walking out in the middle of that goddamn storm, too. I 100% agree. Now, I mean, given the circumstances and... To their credit, in a, in a sense, they knew something was off. They didn't know what exactly. You know, he was up to some shady shit. But regardless, should have gave him a call or <laughs> heads up. <laughs> so or could, just know. been smarter about wandering out into the fucking weather. Yeah, that wasn't a good call on their part. I mean, that's totally on them. 
That's more what I'm I getting at. Like, rain. I'm I'm not going to fault them for wanting to go check on their home. Right. No, but in that weather, that is definitely on them. But that's yeah. If you're going to go out in it, and you got to be able thing, to be you know, out. Like, in you know, like I don't need you dragging that shit in with you. Yeah. <laughs> no. Come back tomorrow when it's nice in the morning. When I'm not doing my experiments. Right. And we can talk about this. He was Over even all, he was even just like, "Yo, give me like 20 minutes. I'm right in the middle of something. I'm glad to talk to you." Yeah. They're give like, me "No." 20 minutes. Open up now. And they're acting like he's in there fucking doing heroin or something. Yeah, no. Well, he might have been doing some meth back then. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. But no, no, no. Given the circumstances, no. Fuck no. I guess I got to back up even a little bit That's earlier okay. than that because fucking I, I keep wanting to call him Igor. What the Fritz? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Fritz stealing the brain. He I grabs the good one at first. He grabs the good one and immediately takes the lid off. And it's not like having the lid on would have saved the brain with right. how bad it crashes when he drops it. But his bright idea was to just transport the fucking formaldehyde brain. I know, man. Open topped. Grabs the runner up and keeps it all together. He doesn't immediately take off the top then. <laughs> yeah. They made him do some extra shit. Fritz is the bad guy of this movie. No, he definitely is. The question isn't whether the monster or the doctor is the monster. It's, it's definitely Fritz. Fritz. He's the one who torments the monster, quote unquote. He is the one who's the tormentor and sets those things in motion where there's a huge misunderstanding well, on the monster's part. And here's the thing, like because of that with the scene with the brain like I was talking about, yeah. it doesn't matter whether you believe whether it's nature versus nurture. No, because no, no, he no, fucked no, up no. both. Yeah, no, no. He fucked it up before it even began. <laughs> if you believe it's nature, he fucked that up by grabbing the wrong brain. If you believe right. it's nurture, he fucking tormented poor monster right. from so, the get-go. It, it had no chance at all. No. And it's, like you were saying, square one. Fritz. Fritz is the fucking bad guy in this movie. Fuck Fritz. I'm Team Igor. Yep, me too. <laughs> And for that matter, Igor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I almost wanted somebody to say Frankenstein in this movie, just to be like, oh, no doubt. <laughs> Once I realized I was wrong and it was Henry Frankenstein to fucking begin with, like, I was like, somebody could say Frankenstein. I would fucking believe it. At this point. And I mean, they toast to young Frankenstein, which was kind of funny. That's a Mel Brooks thing. It's <laughs> <laughs> good. But that's the thing. So... I do have this as part of that pretty dope Universal Blu-ray box set. And I didn't watch a lot. I started watching one of the special features that was on Boris Karloff. It wasn't super insightful. They were pointing out a couple things. Like, like this was basically while they were making this movie, not its release and how well it was received, but like behind the scenes, they're like, oh shit, we got something. And the way that these guys were describing it was that Hollywood was basically like, oh shit, we have our next Lon Chaney. Since Lon really Chaney cool. was known as the man with a thousand faces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really cool. And but so they recognize that. It was with this movie, not only was it a star making role, but like the PR machine kind of went in behind it too and started being like, how do we capitalize on the fact that this guy is the real fucking deal. That's really cool. So that's when you start seeing like 
him promoted not just as Boris Karloff, but just Karloff as, and Karloff the Uncanny. And with one of the movies that came out just like a year after this, before The Mummy, oh fuck, I can't remember what it's called now. Oh yeah, so in The Old Dark House that came out the next year, which was the first one where he was actually billed just as Karloff. I don't know if it was put out for the press or where they did it, if it was like a, an image that they put up next to the poster in the theaters or like a handout that they gave to the audience. It wasn't quite clear with the way they brought it up. But the studio made a picture that was a gradual artist rendition morph of Karloff as the monster to Karloff as his character in that movie. That's really cool. So that the like, audience, they'd be like, look, you um, won't believe it's the same guy, but it's him. No, I see what you're saying. So the, to give it yeah, some merit behind like the man of the you know, mm-hmm. 100,000 phases, whatever. You won't so, even yeah. believe it's the same guy. That's really cool. I like that. That's smart, um, though. I mean, as far as marketing and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Like, that was all pretty cool. But the thing that I found most insightful from that little bit that I watched, because I didn't even finish that one, to be honest. I, I yeah. think I had like five minutes left. And I'm like, yeah, yeah this is fine, fine, but whatever. But yeah, I know what you're saying. It's, it's neat to an extent, yeah. But there was one really insightful thing one of the guys pointed out, and it's that this entire movie, the monster is terrified. Yeah, I mean, considered. He doesn't know what the fuck's going on. He's brought back to life and basically just keeps getting ordered around from the get-go and literally tormented by this other guy. Yeah, I mean, that's a frightening experience for anybody, let alone a reanimated corpse. (laughs) He has the experience with the little girl. Yeah, I mean, that's probably... And accidentally most... fucks, fucks it up and doesn't even realize how he does so. Precisely. And that's that's kind of the heartbreaking thing if you look at the character itself, mm-hmm. right? It's It has a moment where it doesn't have to worry about the questions and the torment and things like that. It's just experiencing something innocent. And joyful. Right. And, you know, it doesn't know any better and picks up a girl because... You could review it as he ran out of flowers, they ran out of flowers, he tossed her in as a part of the game or whatever the fuck. Yeah, it was like, it's almost like he saw her as being as beautiful as the flowers, and he's like, this is the game we're playing? Yeah, so be it. I didn't know you can't fucking swim. <laughs> well, I mean, it doesn't, even, it doesn't even understand that concept. Right. Of drowning or any of that stuff. Yeah, exactly. So that's, that's, that's kind of like the horror as well as like the innocence in the character as well. But because, you know, the little girl died, you know, it doesn't matter at that point for people. So then little girl dies. For some reason, the entire town decides to trust a farmer Jedediah CSI. Jesus, I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yo, she drowned. Okay, what do you want me to do about it? No, you don't get it. She's been murdered. Okay. (laughs) How the fuck do you know? Yeah, exactly. That's a good point. It's like, how else? It's like, well, you guys live by a fucking lake. (laughs) Did you teach her how to swim? No. Uh, yeah. (laughs) It's a part of it, right? Obviously. Considering she drowned in like three seconds. Yeah, and to be a little pair, it wasn't that far from the shore. No. Like, even if you're struggling, she freaked out is what happened. It wasn't that big of a deal. No. Like, sorry, bro, but... Don't let your kid play next to the fucking pond if they don't know how to oh, swim. Yeah, that girl's old enough to learn how to swim. If you're going up right next to a lake... Learn how to fucking swim. It almost goes without question. Especially when you're a fucking poor farmer out in the middle of nowhere. 
Like that's going to be that's some of the only ways you have fun. I was going to say that's like that just that's going to be a form of entertainment for a bit. And it's a great form of entertainment. I used to go swimming in the river all the time. It's like because I was taught how to swim because like we grew not, up next to a river. <laughs> like we're not knocking. I'm just saying it's like it. It makes too much sense not to. I mean, come on. But yeah, that scene is just overall tragic. It is. It certainly is. And then it just leads into, like I said, Farmer Jedediah CSI. But then it, it keeps going on. Like, even after the fucking monster does clock Frankenstein, realizes, oh, you know, maybe I shouldn't kill him. But yeah. I got to get away. And he takes him with it. Even when he's running away and runs back into the windmill, like, he means to shut the door, but he doesn't mean to lock everybody out. That was a complete accident. Shit fell when he slammed it. Right. I mean, like I said, the creature itself has no concept of any of those things. Like, it's, it's it doesn't know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's plain and simple. They're all yelling at him. He's like, all right, I'm going to give the fucking doctor back. Here you go. Yeah. Not his fault. He was provided the, the inspiration for the guy hitting the fucking propeller off the Titanic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of funny, but... <laughs> I could. I was like, "Are you going to throw him off? He's going to be dead. Oh, he's going to hit the windmill. He's going to be dead. He didn't die. I don't know how he didn't die, but that shit was hilarious. It was. He's like, <laughs> he's still alive. <laughs> like, goddamn, these people were quick for judgment back then, weren't they? Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, he's doing something. Not dying. <laughs> Honestly, by then it was. It's already too late because, yeah. like, they ain't going to save him just because he throws the doctor back. So, no, everything was. Sealed in, in its fate once that girl died. That was it. That was mm-hmm. like, there was no point of return for it. For any sympathy, empathy, any of that stuff. But then you have that weird end bit with the maids all wanting to just like hook homie up with a drink because he's had a rough night. And he's like, nah. And his dad's just like, nah, that's much too good for him. I know, what the <laughs> fuck, dad? <laughs> Damn. But also all the maids are tittering like, Ooh, Mr. Henry. Yeah. And you're like, yo, his fiance is in the background servicing him right now. That just like. Oh, so fucking wild. <laughs> yeah, this movie has a wild ending. I agree. It's like toasting his future grandchild. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird considering, like, we just destroyed a, a, a monster, if you will, that my son created. He's going to get married, and we hope that we'll have grandchildren and carry the Frankenstein name. The movie is legit better without that last minute. Yeah. Just ending with the monster getting killed is a far more emotional punch than... Yeah, I would have just ended it with that, too. Like, you see the the windmill on the Mm -hmm. top of the hill burning. That's it. Do, like, a Wicker Man ending. Yeah, no shit. (laughs) But... Would have been folklore at that point. I honestly don't know what the thinking is behind that last scene. Probably Universal or somebody somewhere in that line, I would imagine, mm-hmm. considering what we were just talking about. But I, to, I'm I'm guessing that's pure speculation. I don't know. Yeah. But I would tend to lean in that direction because, it, yeah, it doesn't really make any sense. It's like, how do we end this on a chipper note? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what? It's a fucking horror film. What are you talking about? From like a horror perspective, like we said, this is tame by nowadays standards, but like. If I'm trying to look at this movie critically and stuff, like him, like when the doctor's about to do the dissection towards the end and the monster just opening his eyes and doing the slow reach of the hand, it's good. 
Yeah, it, it is I'm, really good. I understand why it became legendary. Why, like, why this movie was effective on audiences at the time. Yeah, it seems like... I can only imagine what it had been like sitting in a theater back then and thinking about the stuff that, you know, preceded Frankenstein. Pretty fucking tame. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, by any stretch. And you see something like that where it's a little bit more played out, you know, as opposed to, like, cutting away and seeing shadows and... No, I was like, you get to see a lot of this stuff. And so, yeah, it makes it more horrific. Because it's like, ooh, this is a potential threat now, like a real threat. And Karloff looks good in the makeup. Yeah. He looks big. He's not actually, he's a big guy, but he wasn't that big of a guy. No. Like, that was a lot of padding yeah. out in the fucking costuming. But Yeah, but no, I mean, they made it look good, and he did a great job portraying that character. You know, I mean, like I said, it's iconic now. You still see it on T-shirts and, mm-hmm. you know, pop culture references, whatever. What I thought was interesting, this is what I found out. When I was in Seattle, I got to see, like, it was probably more of, like, a, a model of the switchboard. Mm-hmm. And anyway, the point what I was going to bring up was the guy who created the creation scene. His name is Kenneth Strickfadden, which is kind of neat. But uh, they said it was so successful... Right, that it became an essential part of every subsequent Universal film involving Frankenstein's monster. It says the equipment used to produce this or produce them, it's known in fan circles as strict patents. <laughs> I was like, that's pretty cool. But yeah, they use a Tesla coil actually built by Nikola Tesla for this wow. film. It's really neat, yeah. So um, yeah, it's got some really cool stuff. Like I, I read a little bit about its release actually in New York at the Mayfair Theater, right? It, uh, it grossed a pretty good amount for its opening weekend, you know, considering. And that's where it drew a lot of buzz. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, subsequently opened around the rest of the country and did uh, pretty good things for Universal because they were kind of struggling, too, at that time period. And great things for Karloff. Yeah, I mean, like we mentioned, there's, <laughs> there's sequels to this. He went on to play The Mummy. Hell, we reviewed several films without even... Talking about Universal, The Raven, with the Edgar Allan Poe. So, I mean, there's all kinds of cool shit he was in. I don't know if I have really much else to say about it, though. Like, it's good, but I agree we all too, know like, what it is. It's nothing... If you're, It's now not revolutionary. No, I was going to say, if you're more inclined to just... Maybe want to venture into more, like, historical kind of stuff, it's a nice one to visit. All of them are, really, like, in the Universal line. It gives you more historical context to things to come, like what this spawned and why we're, you know, horror fans as it is. Mm-hmm. So they're eminently watchable. Right. They are. And they're not they have their own, watches. I mean, they, they have their some, pacing of the time period and such. But so that's I think that's why it's important to think about it more in that historical context. It's like, yeah, it's a product of its time. How can it not be? Mm-hmm. It wasn't thinking, oh, I wonder what people in 2022 are going to think about this film. <laughs> No. We need to have an action beat every 10 pages. Yeah, no, it's not happening. We need all these cuts. No, it's not happening. We need the, the monster's backstory and maybe the backstory of the murderer that was behind him. And like, I would imagine an hour and 10, too, for that time period was probably kind of a, a long film. Yeah, I have no idea. But maybe. I don't know. Well, like waxing and stuff. Like our haxing is like two hours, so maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> but no, still for, for a talkie and for 1931 and... Uh, like, man, this is around World War Two. Like, it's kind of interesting shit. I, once got, I don't know enough of movies from this time period. 
So I know James Whale, compared to a lot of the other directors, was very influenced by German Expressionism. And you can kind of see that if you put this film or more, yeah, more Bride compared to this one yeah. up against something like Nosferatu, compared to like even putting it up against uh, Dracula, which would have been just the year before, but still not yeah. with that okay. influence. More in just, you know, the American style of the time. And I wonder if that starkness and almost like art housiness yeah. would have had more of an effect on the audiences of the time, too. That's a good point, too. Yeah, no, I think that's really cool. Because of that. how much different... It, it is truly a weirdly more cold look compared to some of the fuzzed out movies from the... You know, other movies from the time period that I've seen, at least. That's so. a good point, man. Yeah, there's so many... Or the, the group of those guys... I mean, to brought up one of the guys who's a co-founder of the American... Society of Cinematographers, and, you know, these guys were no slouches, so I would imagine they probably knew a little bit of uh, other works, you know, that are not just American-based. I think we talked about this a little bit, not necessarily with in this time period, but with in Canada, like the differences between what was going on in Quebec and the rest of Canada mm -hmm. cinematically, and Cronenberg was more interested in, in the way that those techniques were happening. And he used a cinematographer who was more influenced by that as well. So it had more of that aesthetic. Probably the same thing with this. Like, they were aware of what was going on probably in Europe. Mm -hmm. Used some of that influence. Why not? I don't know. Watching it, it's one of those things, like, it's obvious why it survived. Absolutely. There's just only so much to be said about it these days. Yeah. Especially not without being, like, super versed with that time period to be able to put it in its full historical context, which I'm, if you're super interested in, there's ways to go find it. Oh my you're gosh. listening to a couple stoners. Right. It's like, you know, <laughs> you're right. There's people who've actually studied this stuff. Yeah. You know, kudos to them because it's, it's really interesting, but yeah, they're going to give you a lot more insight than I can for sure. My insight is that it's weirder watching it as an adult, being able to emotionally process what's going on with the monster. I do like that too. Is Yeah, having different perspectives of films from different time periods in your life. And I like that too because it does, either makes me, you know, like, oh shit, maybe I was like, I like this because I was a kid. Or it's like, oh no, this had deeper meaning than I realized as a kid. So there's a lot of times that happens. And mm -hmm. I like that because it's like, oh man, this is very layered. <laughs> Also, fuck Fritz. All my homies hate Fritz. Yeah, that's... <laughs> yeah, take your shit on Fritz. <laughs> but no, I agree. Like, he is he is the villain in this film. He really is. Maybe more so than Dude in Frankenstein. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a... It's an interesting thing to say, but, you know, it's like, you know... I want to say it's like, yeah... He's at worst an absentee father in this. Yeah, it's like... He, the way I look at him, Henry, that is, is... He was more interested in trying to bring life back, you know. Than what to do with it once it was here. Yeah, it's like that wasn't, he didn't give a shit about that. But his intention wasn't to like, I would imagine not to torment the fucking thing. It's just like, yeah, he was, he just wanted to bring back something to life, a human. Mm -hmm. More specifically, yeah. He resorted to grave robbing, which that's a whole different subject, which I like. And I'm a, I love it. I think it's a fascinating thing because it actually happened. 
Right. And there's various ways of telling it. And there's, you know, famous tells of various people doing that stuff. So that's a whole different story. But it's prevalent here. You know what? Thinking about that, though, it is implied by the one guy <laughs> that, like, Frankenstein didn't mind if they went out and murdered people so that his bodies were fresher. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's not said and so, like I said, it's it's lightly implied. But, <laughs> but you know, you get it. You get what they're saying. <laughs> Well, because Victor picked up on it. He's like, so what? You go kill a couple of dogs and cats. And dude's like, no, you don't get it. He's after humans only. He's like, oh, shit, that's fucked. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> Different times, I <laughs> suppose. That's crazy. I mean, given, like, the historical context, it's still fucking weird. Did you get any bits of maybe Combs having been influenced mm-hmm. by Clive's performance? Uh, a little bit. I could, yeah, I mean, there's definitely some crossover in the character's story. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I would imagine the way they have this very cold approach to it, you kind of have to have, like, a, like a disconnect to a degree to play that kind of character. I mean, obviously, Combs turns the camp up quite a bit. Oh, without but... a doubt. I mean, you know, we know why, because... Not, uh, camp maybe not, maybe not no, be the right word, but, it, but it's, like... It's, it's definitely hammed up to a degree. Yeah. And that's not a bad thing. He's it's doing, just, yeah. it's like he's doing the chewing the scenery version of the same thing Clive's doing in some of these yeah. scenes. <sighs> Jeffrey Combs does it masterfully, so <laughs> no arguments here, but for sure. he I would imagine he probably studied some of this stuff. Here's the thing. If you want to see Frankenstein, but you want to see the more interesting, non-historically yeah. important version of it, just go watch Reanimator. Dude, I know it's so good. It's kind of the same. As long as you don't care about the historical context. No, I would say that's the more Or like version. the emotional context. If you just want the fun of a mad scientist bringing somebody back to yeah. life. And like, so there's... And I don't want to... I know I'm not trying to shit on Frankenstein. No, I just, of course not. It's, if you're going to give me a choice, um, hello. We don't have a poster of Frankenstein here that I'm aware of. So, there's that. But it's good. No, I'm not... I'm not, I'm not complaining when there's Frankenstein right behind you, but... <laughs> <laughs> The monster, but you know, it's true, it's true. I do have the monster smoking a J behind me, so yeah. But point being, point being is if I had a choice, I'm still gonna watch Reanimator, so and that's no discredit to Frankenstein, it's not. I'd probably, well, for overall quality, maybe not my own personal enjoyment at times because I already have a bias towards the author, right? I'd probably rather read the book Frankenstein. For overall probably, quality. Yeah, I think I'd I have be a bias inclined. towards Lovecraft, but No, without a doubt, but I'd be more inclined. If I want to do it historically. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta go with the OG. But this is a step removed. Two steps removed. Yeah. Which is interesting within itself. Like it would have been interesting to see the actual play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and then <laughs> these guys adapted it, so there's that. Speaking of which, man, that just reminds me, especially because it was put out around the same time period. A lot of people get on uh, the movie Phantom of the Opera for the differences uh, from the book. It's another one where the movie was based off one of the play versions. And they're closer to that play version. Like, they are close to that play version. I it wonder, was the play that differed first. I wonder if it were if it was easier to just to do that back then. Like, hey, we're just going to take some stage actors and just... They already know the movements and the parts. Mm-hmm. Just going to do it for film. We'll do it with the play version. They yeah. already know it. 
I, I have to imagine, like, that that seems like the natural progression, and you can definitely tell when a lot of these actors were stage actors at one point. It's almost <clears> too <throat> obvious. <laughs> almost. Anyway, and, <laughs> I mean, there was a thriving film industry by the time this movie came out, Without but it. it's still in its early enough days that a lot of the scenes are still staged like plays. Yeah, we even noted that with Raven, like how... Like stage, it felt. And there's movies that still do that, yeah. kind of. And that's okay. I mean, you know, it hits but the language, the, the, the language of film has evolved, without a doubt, without a doubt. But I mean, yeah, there's still some remnants of that because it's rooted in it. You can't help it. Mm-hmm. I think that's all I got for Frankenstein. Yeah, no, like so. Once again, it's it's nice to take a walk back down Universal and that historical road with these films. So, yeah, it was it was fun. I already said next week, oh, Transylvania six five thousand. Go blow. Gina Davis and Bagley Jr. It's gonna be fun, man. And it's gonna be stuck in my fucking head. That's okay. It'll I don't mind. It. I don't mind. Spoiler alert: I've already rewatched this movie once in the past year. Nice. That'll just be going into it. Yeah, uh, I think it's available for streaming, too. Like I think in a couple easy. places. Yeah, it's going to make it easy. Super easy. That's next week. We'll talk about it more then. For this week, I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. Fried Squirms, um, out. Hi, everybody. Tyler here. If you like the podcast, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us, or preferably over on Apple Podcasts, that'd be super cool as the entire world is ran on algorithms and we want to be all up in them. Uh, we highly appreciate it whenever you tell all your friends about us. If you have any suggestions, comments, questions, want us to put eyes on your current independent horror project, you can always contact us, squirmcast at gmail.com, or you can contact us through our website, www.friedsquirms.com. Uh, scroll through our entire back catalog there, or click the links up at the top as we are part of the Earverm Podcast Network. Uh, and would love it if you went and checked out some of our sister shows. Uh, the easiest way to keep track of things across the entire network is to go over to that website. That's earverm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. Uh, you can search for us across all the social medias. If you type in Fried Squirms, we should be what pops up. I'm not going to give you all those ads. So with all of that in mind, we'd love to hear from you. Until next time, peace.